Hello friends, you might have noticed us talking a lot about AI and productivity lately. Now it's time to walk the talk. We have partnered with Samsung to show you what their latest and most capable phone, Galaxy S24 Ultra, can do in your busy everyday life. For example, we ourselves are using Samsung's transcript assist capabilities to transcribe and summarize the conversations with our guests. And you can do it too in your meetings. It captures the voice perfectly and you will not need to spend any time trying to distill the essence from the presentation that your boss is giving on synergy, being a family and thinking outside the box, you know, those things. Samsung also offers another cool feature that I've not seen anywhere else, live translate. This means you can call any phone, even a landline from your Galaxy device and it will do live translation to 13 languages, French, Spanish, Italian. We all know many people in those countries don't speak English and now you can book a table in that restaurant in Rome and have full confidence that they actually took down your reservation. And last but not least, you can literally circle to search anything by just circling an object on the screen at any time. Previously, what you had to do, take a screenshot, then you upload it to a search engine, but not anymore. So that jacket someone's wearing on Instagram, just draw a circle around it and your Galaxy AI will find it. So stop wasting your time and brain power on these small everyday things. Head to our LinkedIn page to see how we are using Samsung Galaxy AI ourselves and become a scrappiness machine. Check out samsung.lv as well to find out more. Links in episode notes. Hello, friends. We're back with another episode recorded live in Tech Chill. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Ulis, as always. Hey. Hey, buddy. And our guest today is Andreas Helbig from Atomico. Hey, Andreas. Hey, guys. First question is, uh, yeah, we're, we're meeting here in Riga. Uh, you're looking for companies to invest. Uh, tell us what verticals, what geographies, what tech fields are you are you interested in and, and what are you looking for? And yeah. what brings you to Riga overall? <laughs> tech chill, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> no, first of all, thanks, guys, for hosting me. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, just in, in general, we're one of the largest funds in Europe. Um, and therefore, kind of by the virtue of being a large fund, we're looking for pretty much everything um, in terms of uh, sectors. So, very generalist fund in our portfolio you can find anything from grocery delivery to B2B software to electric flying jets, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so, um, we're doing pretty much everything. In terms of geography, I'm personally covering the Nordics and the Baltics, um, but overall, we're a um, mm-hmm. European fund. At a later stage, we also sometimes do U.S. investments, but um, predominantly European, predominantly Series A. So we usually start with tickets of $5 million and above, which, mm-hmm. I mean, no one knows anymore what a round label is these days, <laughs> but uh, it's usually somewhere on Series A stage. Um, and yeah, um, we can do up to 40 with our growth team as well. Um, I'm part of the early stage team. So when, when a fund like yours looks at the Baltic region, what are the, what are the things that come to mind for you? What are the highlights of, of this region or, or some startups or some some things that you're monitoring from here. Now I can finally brag about our portfolio here. <laughs> Please go for it. I think sort of uh, let's let's start sort of uh, with uh, with just a bit of looking back into the past. So Atomico is founded by Niklas, who's a co-founder of Skype, and basically Skype has of course very deep roots to the Baltics, particularly to Tallinn, to Estonia. Um, so we actually have portfolio companies up there, including uh, PipeDrive, including Katana, including Pactum. So some really really good ones that we're very happy to to be working with. And I think sort of if we look at the Baltics, um, I think sort of from from my perspective, I'm German, so I, I'm actually not from the region, not even from the Nordics. But uh, from my kind of outsider perspective, what I absolutely love about the Baltics is there's just like this unparalleled entrepreneurial ambition. 
it's just like I don't know what it is. What do you guys have in the water here? But it's it's something that like this desire of make it making it big as an entrepreneur is just like really really stronger than anywhere else. Um, and I think that's multiple reasons for that. I think it's one good piece to it, and, and we're lucky to have played a small role in that. Is we definitely see these ecosystem flywheels going, and I think in the with what flywheels we mean that large tech successes mm-hmm. they bear fruit to new tech successes because well people have seen the journey either they've been part of it as employees themselves or they've just like literally witnessed it um and overall sort of the level of entrepreneurial skill but also the level of more operational skill the level of marketing the level of sales the level of development the level of product management etc is all going up so and we see that happening in different ecosystems and i think probably this flywheel is, is still spinning the fastest in talent because well it just had mm-hmm. very early tech successes including skype including playtack um and but we do see that in other regions as well. I mean, you guys have Printful here. You guys have uh, Vinted down and NordVPN now, also the, the next unicorn down in, yeah. in Lithuania. So it is a great region for entrepreneurial ambition. And I think sort of what our two things that I really like about it is, for whatever reason, Baltic businesses are really unique um, in that sense. That Pactum probably being sort of the best example. I'm still. Wondering if they have a competitor, actually, mm. um, because well, autonomous negotiations, no one is doing that, um, and it's just like this. There's something about the ingenuity. There's something about um, not doing the copycat models of whatever someone is successful with in the U.S. There's, there's definitely th- something that is unique to to the startup ideas that are being pursued here. Um, so that's number one, and number two is I think. For also compared to Nordics, particularly, but also to Germany and to to uh, France or to the UK, is going global from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think Katana, like they have uh, more than half of their customers are from the US. Uh, I think they have like two or three customers from Estonia um, out of their over a thousand customers. So it's like really really international from day one, just because the domestic markets are relatively small. But I mean, also if you if you walk around here at the booths, if you speak to all the founders, none of them is building a business for the Baltics. It's everyone's yeah. building a business for going global, and that's you do see that in other regions as well, of course. Um, but just the level, just the percentage of literally everyone here is is going global from day one, and that's great. A question to ask is: you're um, you worked in Germany, now you're in UK. How does someone who's worked in those old European, Western European markets view this thing as you know ease of starting business, like digitalization? Because yeah. we hear we often like get obsessed about how easy things are, and I'm just thinking whether it really is a factor in your eyes in terms of. Uh, because you know UK is doing great in startups and Germany doing great in startups as well even though digitalization is way behind but like what what's your outlook how do you see that as a factor yeah i think sort of i mean yeah if you if you ever went through a um for a german notarization process yeah. i totally did yes right um, uh, yeah i mean like it's a different world <laughs> it is a different world compared to investing in in estonia it's just like the processes are insanely more efficient i think it's it's a bit of a hygiene factor um it's hard to mm. it's, it's it is something that is very helpful um and there's it's good that sort of the ease of doing business is is getting improved is being improved but i think still despite all the 
bureaucratic hurdles that you have in Germany, you still have very ambitious founders, you mm -hmm. still have ambitious companies coming out of there. But it's definitely something and we're thankful for a lot of people who are working on this. And well, with you guys in the Baltics, I think probably Estonia with sort of the e residency program with the e government, etc., as sort of the one of the one of the early leaders for all of Europe. Um as it's it's just pretty great to see that. And I think sort of the underestimated effect of that's probably how this proliferates into society saying hey well even the government is going digital so even me as a whatever small business owner as a carpenter maybe i should also mm -hmm. think about going digital so digital is the future if this is really very much being propelled by the government then that's something that is that is very it gets ingrained into this to the, into the society to a certain extent and i think that is sort of that from the political leadership how it proliferates down is something that is that's quite interesting to see a lot of companies here, attractive environment. How about funding? So we have had like abundance of funding yeah. globally and also locally. I mean, you know, 2021 was, was uh, wow. We, you know, we, st we started our podcast in 2021 and we we're like concerned, you know, who we're going to talk to and how it's <laughs> going to be. And then, you know, all of these announcements coming out every week about yeah. these funding rounds suddenly became very easy to, to do this because there's uh, all these exciting companies getting funded. And it kind of continues in the, in yeah. the first, second quarter in 2022. So how, how, how do things like look from where you're standing uh, in London, uh, you know, in terms of valuations, in terms of uh, rounds, uh, let's say, uh, regularity of, uh, of, of new raises, is, is everything continuing as it was in 2021? Or, or are there any signs of slowing down? Like in public markets, there has been. So. Exactly, exactly. I think that's, I think it's a very interesting point of time, because we still see what is what is amazing. And what has absolutely not stopped is the influx of talent uh, becoming entrepreneurs. Mm. It's just like really great businesses being built by really great people, um, more and more so. So that's one trend that we see continuing, which is of course very much propelling that funding rounds. I think it's probably one of the most, really obvious if you think about it, but one of the more underreported ones is just the quality of companies and the quality of founders has gone up so tremendously. Um, so that's going to continue for sure. Um, but I think sort of what we're seeing, of course, sort of the, the, uh, public markets pressure is indeed trickling down a little. Um, we do see that. We start to see that at the later stages. Let's see how it turns out on the earlier stages. I mean, it takes a while to get there. Maybe it might not get there. Maybe it might. We don't have a crystal ball. Uh, but um, yeah, I would expect at least that acceleration that we have seen in 2021. We will probably not see that in 2022, the, the acceleration to that extent. Let's see um, how if, if there will be an acceleration. If it will be the same, if it will be a little lower. Let's see where we will end up, where we will end up. But it's yeah, sort of the early stage rounds, particularly sort of the pre-seed seed rounds. There's no side of a slowdown for now. You mentioned like quality of entrepreneurs. What's yeah. a great profile of founder for Atomico? Ah, uh, that's a very very difficult question because <laughs> there is no such thing as a as a cookie cutter yeah. scorecard for. <laughs> <laughs> for a founder because founders are just like really different and you exactly like them to be i mean there's a few common traits i think sort of this really and being ambitious i mean we're we're in the business of building unicorns otherwise we can't make our fund models work so definitely definitely being ambitious very much helps
helps. Um, being resilient, particularly, I mean, just coming back to the topic that we just discussed, we don't know how the turmoils will be, if mm. there will be also headwinds after all the tailwinds that we've seen in tech. Um, resilience is definitely something that we're looking for. Um, we're very, very much looking for the ability to attract great talent. Because um, if you're building large companies, at some point you can't do everything yourself as a founder mm. or as a founding team. Um, you need to hire the very best people. And I mean, the war for talent is uh, more on than ever. Um, so we, um, this, these are a couple of the things that we're looking for. Of course, looking for creative, ingenious ways mm -hmm. of solving problems. Um, that's definitely something that we, that we aim for. But there's no such thing as a classic founder CV. Um, mm -hmm. We have founders in our portfolio who came straight out of university, but we also have founders who are at PhDs and long research careers. We have founders who have been in large corporates. We have founders who have been in large scale-ups. I think sort of probably the most traditional path is to work in a larger company and a larger startup, um, sorry, in a larger scale-up, um, and basically seeing sort of a journey firsthand and then applying this to your own entrepreneurial journey. It's probably kind of the best shortcut to acquire these skills. But... And that's a founder profile that we see more and more often, but there's there's no such thing as a standard founder profile. It's we see everything, and it's great the way that it is. You mentioned the ability to attract talent. What what would be the factors? Is it how how much you can sell the vision? Is it a <laughs> network? Uh, any 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 examples to narrow down what would qualify? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think sort of in terms of ability to attract talents, maybe how we diligence it as we exactly speak to the people that you attracted. Um, so mm -hmm. we're we're usually investing at a stage where it's more than the founder te founder team only. Um, so Series A, I mean, you you have probably like at least 15, 20 employees. So there's some structures, there's some wider management team and we will speak to them. Um, and first of all, because we want to get to know them and now that we work together, hopefully in the future. Um, but um, so that's how we, how we find that out. And I mean, basically sort of where they find this talent is, I think, exactly selling the vision, as as you as you called it, is very very core to it. I mean, we we see all of these statistics, like eighty three percent of Gen Z or something looking for companies with a purpose. So, yeah. and I mean, if you call it purpose, if you call it vision, like there's some things that you want to change in the world, and you absolutely need to convey that message. And well, it is of course about paying a price, a salary, a bonus that is somewhat standard to market, but. The message is more; it's getting more and more important, and people want to work in companies where they can align with what they're doing, mm -hmm. and therefore thoroughly thinking about what it actually is that you want to achieve for the world in the long run, but also um, how you convey that message. That is probably sort of super important. And then in terms of network, I mean, you probably have your network locally, but we see more and more companies getting started to be remote first or with hubs. So um, yeah. I I think and you can build up a presence you can build up a network by running a podcast <laughs> by like being active on linkedin twitter etc so you can also build up global networks i think it's easier of course to hire from the network because it's people that you can trust um to a certain extent because you know them already um, but it's also very important to look beyond it so um to to keep open processes also to keep like a certain a certain influx of new perspectives to the company because if you are only hiring in your network, then it's probably all people a bit, at least a little like yourself. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Coming back to to deal flow and Baltics, so 
how how do you rate? I don't know. Percentage of deal flow probably will be hard to say, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, how how much do you get like cases from the Baltics on the on the let's say uh, weekly weekly call of uh, investment committee well, or whatever it is? It's it's hard to hard to pinpoint a number. Cause I, I don't know it from the top of my head to give you of course. Yeah. But um, what I'm seeing is um, Balt because I cover the Baltics and the Nordics kind of in conjunction. It's the Baltics percentage has increased for sure. I don't know where it exactly is, but it's it's definitely it's very. I think it's it's gone up to like thirty three percent or something. Um, so um, we I do see so many great companies from here. I think partially. I mean, it's it is also a bit of a network flywheel in a sense. We're investors in PipeDrive, so if someone from PipeDrive leaves and starts a new company, then we are hopefully, <laughs> please, dear ex-PipeDrive employees, call me. Um, <laughs> we're hopefully one of the first uh, calls that they will make um, because, well, there is an existing connection, and uh, also being by being active uh, in the region, um, by also having a bit sort of the the Skype background, that also helps just to to generate deal flow here in the region and. Yeah, I think it's it's really it's been increasing so much, and the level of I think sort of the the step up in quality of companies in the Baltics has been tremendous in the in the past few years. Um, it's it's really great. I think sort of out of the out of the last actually the last two announced investments that I was working on directly were Catan and Pactum. So mm-hmm. so it's. I mean that's kind of 100% of the last two, but um, it's a little cherry-picked <laughs> figure. But it is very reflective of um, of uh, yeah, the, just the, the number of companies in that region. And I think also one thing not to underestimate is there's more and more early-stage funding available um, because of good exits like PipeDrive, like Skype in the in the older days. Um, but also some secondaries along the way. There's a lot of angels who are active. There's a lot of smaller pre-seed seed funds who are doing a great job um, to yeah, also bring companies on our radar, but also to help their specific entrepreneurs in the region with their specific network, etc. So um, all of that really combines to this perfect storm of me getting more and more deal flow in the Baltics, and I love it. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> How does uh, how does one get through to get your attention? Uh, if 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 not with uh, pipe drive or Skype connections, what uh, what things entrepreneurs should do to to stand out? Yeah, I'm Andreas at Atomico.com. <laughs> that's that's a start. You, you check all emails. Or? That's a start. Yeah, I, I do check all email, emails. I have to admit, like if it's a cold email from someone who has not read my profile or not doesn't know that I'm covering Nordics and the Baltics, and it's because it's mm. literally on the website, um, then I'm not sure if I reply to literally everything. But if it's if it's something that is in the region that I'm covering or within the areas that I find interesting, I, I at least uh, I very much aim to get back. I'm not sure if I reach 100%, but I very much aim so. Um, and yeah, and then sort of getting our attention. I mean, we're slightly, we're not sort of the super, super early stage investor, right? We come in at Series A, so we're usually not the first check into the company. So I think another thing is we, I know so many local funds, so many local angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I think sort of one of the things that I always tell entrepreneurs to is really to milk their existing investor base as much as possible. And please also milk us when we're invested. Um, because they have the networks, they have the contacts. So that's, of course, a little easier to get to the attention. But I do read my, my cold, uh, my cold stuff as well. Um, and particularly if it's like somewhat, somewhat customized and somewhat well written. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's, and also events like this, right? It's about, 
being approachable. I think, I mean, the days of VC sort of sitting somewhere in their ivory tower waiting for someone to present deal flows <laughs> are long, long gone. Um, and I'm reaching out to so many companies myself um, because I hear chatter about it in the market. We mm-hmm. ran some data-driven uh, initiatives of looking at a couple of metrics that you can track from the outside. And if something sticks out, then I'm reaching out to the company. So um, there's multiple ways. Uh, I think sort of the, the direct email is probably the, the most immediate one, but um, the other ones are, are pretty elegant as well. Now, okay, we're here in person, and I think that yeah. uh, that's, that I agree with what you're saying, that, uh, that at least with some regularity, you should uh, you should meet your investors, uh, your partners, uh, whoever in person, just for that you know relationship building yeah. uh, kind of purpose. But do you agree that uh, that with uh, with the current kind of uh, last two years uh, remote uh, culture, then uh, also these cross border relationships uh, between investors and founders in different regions have become easier. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, for me personally, actually, even a higher chance because I'm not covering <laughs> London. But uh, for the funds, it doesn't really matter. We also have great people covering the UK, so that's that's not that. But um, yeah, most definitely. I think with a with a fund with a founder whose uh, heart is in uh, video communications um, with Skype um, is definitely uh, is definitely something that we're seeing a lot. And I think sort of what I like about it very much is that it allows me to meet more founders um, and to. I mean, coming back to, to what we just discussed before about being approachable, I think it's it's just easier to hop on a 30-minute video call versus flying over to meet someone. Um, either us flying over or the founders flying over. It's just like a lot more efficient. So just the volume goes up, which is great. Um, but it actually really helps also founders in kind of previously overlooked regions. And I think the Baltics were previously overlooked, but I think nowadays if you're sleeping on the Baltics and you're doing something wrong as a VC, but I think previously they were overlooked. So it definitely kind of helped in, in leveling the playing field. It's also not necessarily a coincidence that as a result of COVID, of course, European tech, which has been overlooked in general um, by global investors, has been picking up so tremendously um, because now that the playing field is a little more leveled and it doesn't matter if you jump on a Zoom call with a person in Silicon Valley or in Riga, um, the level playing field definitely helps to direct funding into regions that were previously overlooked. And I really hope that it's an effect that stays. At least for me, that's definitely what's what's going to stay because... It's like these 30 minute Zoom calls are great, very efficient um, to get to know someone, at least sort of from the first glance, saying, hey, is this interesting or not? And then, of course, developing the relationship, looking a little deeper. There is actually some some magic to one to one in person 3D interactions. Um, but I think sort of at least for for the initial stage, it's going to stay. I mean, we're, we're SVCs were slightly a little like sales teams eventually. Um, yeah. So, so you guys are mostly based all in one place, or you have some local yeah, we're, uh, offices? We or? are based in London, um, and uh, we have one guy on the ground in Paris um, because France is, in that sense, a little particular that it's very central as an ecosystem. Um, but for me, I mean, covering Nordics and Baltics, that's eight countries. Um, if I would be based in any of the eight countries, um, the marginal advantage would be relatively slim. Um, mm. So covering it out of London, where I have a great team that I can work with every single day, um, that's that's definitely an advantage. So we don't have satellites, except for our one Parisian satellite. Are there any only remote-only companies in your portfolio? Companies that are just fully remote? 
Yeah. Um, yes, there are a few. Mm. Um, there are also a few that have hops. Um, so I think Pactum is a good example. They have a hub in, in Tallinn. Mm-hmm. They have a lot, they employ a lot of people in the US as their sales focus is predominantly in the US. Uh, they don't necessarily have an office there. They hire people all over the US. So it is kind of this hybrid setup um, that we see more and more proliferating. There are a com- few companies who don't have an office at all, but there are, yeah, some sort of hub is kind of the usual playbook mm-hmm. that you see in early stage companies these days. Some kind of hub, but then definitely hiring remotely because it just allows you to access a global talent pool versus just the, the, the people in your city. But do you have a view as a as a fund, uh, you know, as to how it should be done? Or? No, absolutely not. I mean, we're as as investors, it's not our job to run the company at all. Um, so it's it's our job is to ask the right questions, to direct, and to wire money. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's not to prescribe different ways of how to run a company. I think well, of course, there's merits and considerations to each, and. Uh, we're looking for founders who can articulate why they uh, were opting for one or the other. I mean, accessing a global talent pool slightly easier, probably to create uh, to create a culture in a in a local in a local office. I mean, there's there's certain trade offs that you need to make, um, and as long as you make these trade offs consciously and you can articulate why you did this, we don't mind at all. Um, but we're very much looking for founders coming back to what we discussed earlier, very much looking for founders with the ability to attract great talent, but also to build a strong culture within the organization. And be that remote or be that not remote, that's completely up to the founders. Um, but uh, yeah, some articulation, some, it should not be something that just happens to you. It's just something that should be part of a, a broader strategy. All right. So if... You already mentioned your email once more, but if somebody <laughs> wants to reach out, how do they do it? Yeah, um, email um, and ask your existing investors, ask your existing network. I think, of course, it's it's slightly easier if someone intros, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, I think these are these are the two ways. Or or just build a great company and uh, have your metrics perform <laughs> so that our our data driven initiative picks you up. <laughs> All right, Andreas, thanks a lot for your time today and. Uh, Thanks for your uh, in-person 3D. Yes, one, uh, exactly. <laughs> face a microphone meeting. in my face. Yes, exactly yeah. here in Riga. So, uh, so thanks, and uh, then have a great event and safe trip back and uh, good time in Riga and see you around. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for hosting me and good event that you guys put together here in Riga. Really cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you like this show, remember to leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to discover the pursuit of scrappiness.